This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Asia Torah, in the old city of Jerusalem, overlooking the Temple Mount. May the Temple be rebuilt soon in our days. Amen. So we got a um, we got the situation in life where with all the shoulds supposed to, you know, like there's stuff we're supposed to be doing and. And certainly everyone has that, but no one has it more than Jews, you know, because at any given time you probably should be somewhere else. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of shoulds. And, and, there, and like, for example, while the shul's saying, Aleinu Lishabeach, you should be too. <laughs> Except you're going about 65 miles per hour on a highway, you know, <laughs> having left 10 minutes earlier. So, anyway, there, there's just a lot of shoulds in Judaism. And so we really got two questions here. And, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of questions here, which is yours starts with is, who says we should be doing that? You know, who says we should be listening to Shofar all day? You know, I know the rabbis say that, but how do we know that's what God wants? You know, the Torah says Yom Teruah. That's what the Torah says. You want to say Torah is divine, okay? So it's Yom Teruah. What is that? Well, what is that? You know, well, the rabbis say that means shofar blast. Teruah means shofar blast. But does that what, is that what Teruah means? You know, is that what Teruah means? Teruah has a lot of meanings. One of the meanings is to wake up, right? <speaking in Hebrew> So, it means to wake up. The day of wake up. Well, I mean, if it's a day of wake up, well, there's no better alarm system than a chauffeur blast. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's people sleeping in shul who are just like, you know, when it rings. But it could be you're asleep spiritually. And it could be, as we said earlier, um, well, you didn't get this online, but uh, that it could be there's an emotional thing that's gotten you, that's put you to sleep spiritually. A lot of people are, have emotional block and it's put them to sleep spiritually. And I know this for a fact because I, I've known uh, many observant people who were raised observant who were no longer observant, who did some healing work with me. Like they went, they went into like deep work with me. I, I run programs called The Possible You, and they, they did their deep work. And then I run into the guy like five years later, and he's pushing a stroller with a Hasidic lady, and he's got his, and I'm like, I didn't recognize him, but he comes up to me and says, Rabbi Glazer, it's me. And I'm like, who are you? And anyway, it turns out he's that secular guy I met. And he said, well, I never told you I have a Hasidic background. And well, what happened to you? He says, he says well, well, after your seminar... I decided to become Hasidic again. And I'm like, I'm like, but we didn't discuss Judaism in the seminar. I mean, it, doesn't, it didn't even come up. You know, it's called the possible you, not the possible Jew. You know, it's just about you. And he says, yeah, but when I got me, I got God. Like when I got me back in my life, I got Judaism back in my life. And that was many years ago. But since then, I've seen it happen over and over again where when someone works through their thing, suddenly Judaism comes up big time. So what I would suggest to someone who's like 
not really sold on the whole God Torah thing, and they're not really sold on Rosh Hashanah, and they're kind of, and with you know, it makes a lot of sense that they are, they're filled with trepidation to go into forty-eight hours of Rosh Hashanah, and then the, you know, and then seven days of Chuba, and then a massive Yom Kippur, no eating service, you know, like that's rough. So that's rough if you're not sold, if you're not bought into this. So so that's going to be a rough time. So now there's two things to do. One is intellectual, one's emotional. Intellectually, well, actually we work three, intellect, emotion, and then in- instinct. So intellectually, get your questions answered. But if you've already been hanging around getting your questions answered, it's probably emotional. So if it's emotional, so then, then do your work. Like figure out what's, where's your pain, what's going on there. And also I would suggest dedicating your Rosh Hashanah for that. Like, dedicate your Rosh Hashanah for that. Don't be as involved in the service, in the, in the prayer book, as you are um, begging Hashem to, to either help you GPS your, where you're clogged, meaning where, it's, where you're emotionally clogged up, and begging Him to open it up and, like, surrender to the... And one of the biggest issues is the pain that would come with it. Meaning, if you, let's say you have a big emotional block, Okay. And that's what's really in the way. Not nothing to do with God, Torah, or anything intellectual. It's just a big emotional block. Well, if you pull the cork off a big emotional block, well, here comes all the pain. Well, human beings are not into pain. Like we, we we'll do anything to avoid pain, and we create we create whole hashkafas around pain. You know, these uh, you know, we we create a whole. Our worldview is basically how do I how can I avoid pain? And so I'll create a worldview to keep me safe. From pain, and and so, but that's not very holistic at all. I mean, that's that's you know compartmentalizing a whole. That's like compartmentalizing one of the largest parts of my being, which is my emotions, and compartmentalizing it and locking it off, and just creating a worldview that protects me from having to open that stuff up. Um, now, people get stuck a lot because if you've got a background in Judaism, so it'll be a monkey on your back your whole life. You can't get it off your back. It'll never go away. Anyone raised with Shabbos, Kashrus, Yom and Toivim, and, you know, like just daily Jewish life as an observant Jew, I hate to say it, but you're trapped. Like, you will never get out of it. You know, it just never goes away. You know, it's like trying to get rid of a tattoo. <laughs> Good luck. You know, it just doesn't go away. And tattoos are easier to get rid of because you can today use lasers. Though apparently it's very painful. They, you just can't get out of it. And that's why people who are raised observant are so weird. You know, when, meaning in their secular iterations, they're, they just, first of all, if they were raised Hasidic, <laughs> they never can be normal. Like, they just will never, ever fit in. And it's so sad. But it's kind of cool in a way because it makes it assimilating a lot harder. But if you're, like, born and raised in Queens or, like, you know, you know, some New Jersey town, you know, that, that, like that, where you don't have some thick Hasidic accent or something and you do know what style is or something. Anyway, you can potentially, you can potentially assimilate, but you'll always have the monkey on your back. Hence, Hollywood, for example, who are all people, they were born into families that immigrated into the U.S., all their brothers and zaydis spoke with thick accents and were observant. The next generation, though, was already Americans, and they founded Hollywood, whose themes, I mean, have 
there's crazy amounts of themes in Hollywood of people dropping their Judaism and and they it's it's these are like therapy movies because what it really is is it's Hollywood having their own therapy through movies they made about their parents' reaction to them being secular and then at the end of the movie it's the jazz singer Neil Diamond now doing his biggest concert of his life with his bearded father you know his tall rabbi in a hat they made sure he was in his hat I think or maybe he was just in his kid I forget the final scene I think he was even in his hat black hat sitting in the fifth row like this you know meaning we've come we've we're okay now even that generation says that our going after the American dream at the expense of Judaism is okay. And so, anyway, but we'll never be okay. And we're never going to be normal. And it makes all the more sense in the world to, for, just for someone psychologically, forget whether Torah is true or there's a God. Psychologically, it makes more sense to light Hanukkah candles and make Kiddush and make Hamotzi and get those light switches set up before Shabbos. It just makes more sense psychologically to the person raised doing that. And it's just going to create a lot less weirdness in your life because well, you'll never be the same if you're raised that way. Um, now, but I do suggest strongly um, to come to Israel and pick the rabbi's brains and like, because we do that. Like we sit, right guys? We'll sit in the lobby. Well, maybe the other rabbis will. But they'll sit in the lobby and talk all about it for hours if you want. And... And, the, and you can just, like, get it clear. But if the heart's the issue, so this torrential emotional upheaval is scary as hell. There's nothing scarier. There's no frontier scarier than you letting your pain out. And, but that may be where you got to go. And to get there is you got to deal with that. The last thing I would say is instinctually, which is the body, you know, like the, the physical body. Is, um, is intellectually I said was you got to get the proofs emotionally you got to deal with your blockages and um, but instinctually that it's um, it might make sense on Rosh Hashanah for someone who's not bought in and is emotionally blocked is to have just get yourself in there close your eyes when that chauffeur blasts and just just let it vibrate into your body it is going into your body. They're blowing the vibrations out of that horn. The horn's vibrating. That's how you make the sound. So let the vibrations cross the room and into your, into your being. You know, like, like maybe just do that on Rosh Hashanah. Even if you don't buy in, you know, maybe, maybe it can enter your body. You know, on a physical level. Chabad is an international organization. That's, you know, who knows what their budget is. And they certainly don't because <laughs> they keep thinking Mashiach's coming. So they forget to keep books. And the, it's like, you ever been around a Chabad before the high holidays? You know, they're like, okay, we got to figure out the high holidays this year. You know, how are we going to get this done? You know, you're like, you've been doing this for 40 years in this same location. This should be a no brainer, man. Like take out your notes from last year. He's like, notes last year. Like, well, let's first talk about the list of Jews in, around the neighborhood, this area. And he's like, <laughs> list of Jews. Because you know, they're sure Mashiach's coming every second. So it's like, there's no notes from last year. Now, by the way, that obviously there are modern-day Chabad rabbis who are 
you know, doing the modern tech stuff and like, yes, taking notes on what they did this year. But they're going body. They're just going body. You know, get that dude in to fill in. Get that lady lighting candles. Get that boy in a mikvah. Get that lady in a mikvah. You know, they're just going body. They're, they're just going body. Of my friends who are Chabad rabbis of, of Chabad houses, which I probably got 20, 30 of them, I can name... I can name one, one who's going to make sure you know what you know, you know, one who's going to like approach you here, up here, only one, emotionally, you know, I can name one, but we're not friends, I wish I were his friend, he's too famous for me, I think, is uh, Y.Y. Jacobson, who's like just this incredible, I just love everything he puts online, and I'd love to meet him, I'm sure we'd be friends if we got to meet but um, he, he's just like dealing with people right here. You know, he's not mentioning that you belong in a mikvah. You know, he's just here. And he's not proving God's existence. Why would Jacobson's dealing with the heart? And uh, I suggest, guys, YouTube, why would Jacobson? Because he's, he's hysterical and he just gets right to the point of things right here. So the, all three are approaches to doing the right thing. First, get your head on straight but you're not such an intellectual, we'll get your heart worked out. And if you're not so heartsy, then get your body worked out. But there are people who are not very body. There are people who are not very body. Some people float around their head. You know, like Moishi, for example. Moishi, uh, I mean, you mind if I use you for example for a minute? <laughs> Moishi's not very body, okay? He's, 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 very in the head and he's also very emotionally connected like he really is in his own body very nicely as far as emotions and stuff and he uh, but he's like he's only like he's got like he's got one tentacle touching earth you know like he's just not in this world so much you know and he doesn't care about it that much so so you get people like that too, and how do they get themselves doing the right things when they don't care that much about the body and what it's doing? You know, like your body and what it does is not your highest priority. So don't worry, you're not on this film, and there's more than one person named Moishi, I think. So anyway, you understand, like how do you get your body doing the right stuff when you don't care that much about where your body is? So, so the... The answer for getting your body to do the right thing for someone who's, who's not that into body is, and this is an answer for many things, so it's kind of a, how do you say, a panacea? Is that what you say? A cure-all? Cure-all? Like cure yeah, like a cure-all for so many issues, and especially around motivation, because this is the key to motivation. Learn this from Jordan Peterson. <laughs> and I think we all know it unconsciously, but, but he made it super clear. And that is that, that everything you want to be motivated for needs an incentive and a decentive. I made up the decentive part. It could be a real word, but I don't know. It's a, you need an incentive that gets you in it, and you need a decentive that gets you running away from it. You, know, you need to be running towards and running away from And the way they figured this out was they found mice. You know, they trained mice to run a maze. <laughs> Finding mice to run a maze might not be very helpful. There he is! I was just going to keep going until you got out of here. I was hoping that you were going to You did great. I have to finish the story, though. I'm in the middle of the story. You get the guitar, man. So, anyway, listen. So they, they, they had mice running a maze. And 
They had mice running a maze, and they they had mice running a maze. Mice running a maze, and the I'm trying to get you guys undistracted. And what they did was those mice ran the maze in like four minutes. Yeah, they get to the other side in like four minutes. Fine. So what they did was they got them hungry. They got the mice very hungry. Didn't feed them for a few days, and then they let them out into the maze. But now they put some really stinky cheese at the end of the maze. So suddenly the four-minute mice were three-minute mice because they're smelling cheese the whole way and they're just like, they were hustling. So they were able to knock a minute off their way, off their way towards the cheese. But then, that was incentive. Then they thought of decentive. How do we do decentive? They put the smell of cat. The smell of cat behind them. Meaning once the mouse got in there, they just put smell of cat, like, I don't know, with a hairdryer and a cat. <laughs> Blowing the cat with the hairdryer. I don't know what they do with animals in these labs, man, but I think anything goes over there. So. <laughs> Where do you get the smell of a cat? I mean, leave it to laboratory scientists, but maybe it was cat breath, you know, because that's probably the scariest of all. So they, they had the cat, you know, they were blowing it into his mouth. It was going like, <sighs> with a maze right behind it. Anyway, but they put, they put cat smell behind the mouse. And guess what? Not four minutes, not three minutes, but less than two minutes. Meaning it was even more than the cheese knocked off the time. These pies just went like, and like they banged into the cheese and skidded out for like 50 yards, you know. They were like, get me away from this. So we all have to realize that we have, and now this is where, like for example, religions created that concept of hell, decentive. You know, religions are love talking about hell. I mean, they talk; they don't stop talking about hell. In Judaism, you're like, you can be in here for 20 years and you never hear the word hell. So, you know, we're not, I mean, the Hasidim are kind of big on hell, but what do you get? You know, that's what you get when you decide to not be intellectual about Judaism. Is you're going to have to scare everybody away somehow. So, so we'll talk about hell. You know, you're going to go to hell. But uh, the regular Jewish world, which is much more intellectual than the Hasidic answer to to the Enlightenment, to the Haskalah, is never going to talk about hell. Hell is just not part of the program. The fact that you're going to have to pay for your dumb moves in your life if you don't do tshuva, obviously. If you do tshuva, you're, all, you're off the hook. But if you didn't do tshuva, the fact that you're going to pay for that is the most holistic, like, organic thing in the world. <laughs> I mean, if you weren't going to pay for your stuff, so I guess God's got a sick sense of humor. You know, because he's given you a sense of good and evil. You all got a sense of good and evil. He's given us a Torah that you can prove legit. And it tells you what the good and evil is. And now you want to tell me when you get upstairs? Because in this world, you don't notice it. If anything, good is eating the cheeseburger. Because it tastes good and doesn't seem to make a difference. So it must be that there's some kind of consequence to eating cheeseburgers. There's a table for two right here. Must be a consequence for eating cheeseburgers. You don't want the table for two? Shalom, everybody. Have a beautiful day. Enjoy. I feel bad we missed. We took forever. You know this. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.